Hello, my name is David Cowlishaw and I'm a Stoke City fan. Uh, hello, my name's Chris Brammer and I'm a Stoke City fan. Welcome to our support group. This is episode 90 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast, where I'm afraid we have to talk about the event. Um, Chris. <laughs> the uh, event? <laughs> yeah. The, the <sighs> event that happened. Yeah. Um, Chris, I mean... Where the hell do we begin? Um, uh, do we begin with any redeeming positive things from it first? Is that okay. a place where we could... Because I think we will go on for hours about what the negatives were, but maybe it's important to try and gleam some positivity from it, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll have a, a, a minute blast of positivity, shall we? Yeah, okay, um, cool. Uh, Joe Allen is ace, and we don't deserve him, mm-hmm. but he's just a really just great man, and uh, he'll uh, yeah he'll be great at Swansea next season. Chris, this is the positivity <laughs> minute. Um, uh, our mate Dutch Potter had a nice day. Mm-hmm. Uh, go follow him on Twitter for all of that. Going to his first Stoke game, that was lovely to see. Uh, our Peter Crouch signed print raised £142 for the Don Lewis Hospice, which is lovely. That's... Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else? Um, it's... Uh, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. Like, I'm sh- no, I can't really. No. Not really. <laughs> no. Uh, so yeah, with, with that positivity <laughs> over with, uh, let's jump straight into the three-word reviews. Um, for listeners who uh, live on the moon, uh, yesterday it finished Stoke City 1, Everton 2 at the Bet365 Stadium. Three-word responses. Uh, Dave Prowl of Big Clear Out Needed, SCFC Mill, just posts a picture of football on five. <laughs> um Lots of uh, references to our number 16 with various swear words in them that uh, I'll, I won't read because it'll just inspire me when we inevitably <laughs> talk about it. Uh, Thomas Frost, I'm getting shit-faced. Go on, Frosty. Um, John Dykes, we deserve this. Uh, Rocky goes on a big sweary rant at several people. Uh, Nutter Potter, relegation now confirmed. Um Dom Potter's EFL champions. Uh, Lord Bereri Smith says abysmal team selection. Sam the Loss says we are gone. Chris says no way back. Uh, Mark Han says everybody keep calm. Um, sort of not in keeping with the theme of the rest of the comments, really. Uh, Alex says hello, the championship. Marcus says Shrewsbury Town away. Ian says we are down. Uh, Derek says Charlie Adams' fault. Andy Slee says, down, down, down. Will Jones says, Paul Lambert out. Luke Jones says, we are shite. Now, uh, yeah, I think that just about sums it up. Shall we end the podcast there? Or shall we attempt to dive deeper into uh, that game yesterday? Uh, Now, I think we had called this a must-win game uh, in the run-up. We played Man City on Monday night and... Uh, we haven't had a chance to discuss that on the podcast, but I wasn't too disheartened by the Man City performance at all. Uh, they're just really good at football. and We had one or two chances, really, which is all you can 
hope for against a team of that quality uh, and we were just outclassed in my opinion but th- but what that result meant was uh, Everton at home became a must win game it became high noon do or die whatever you want to call it and the the person who had the best week from a Stoke City point of view in my opinion is John Sidaway because we saw that video on Friday night and I was bloody up for this, this game. And I thought, wow, fantastic. And they played it before the the game as well. Paul Lambert saying, like, you know, we've got to give you something to get up for. It's not, it's all well and good us saying, you know, get behind the lads. We've got to give you something to get up for. And given the importance of this fixture, Paul, why the fucking hell are we not playing our strongest team? That what on earth? Just what kind of brain hemorrhage did he have before two o'clock? <laughs> People were joking about starting Charlie Adam. My dad joked that he'd start him. Never mind. Did the he? Did he come out with a reason them. for it? By the way, well, because yeah, I've not, yeah, I've not this... seen any like because when I saw the lineup and and when I saw Glenn Johnson in for Bauer as well, I thought I instantly thought. Oh, they must have picked up a knock because I, I mean, mm. I thought Bauer had look against Man City. It was going to be difficult, but I thought he, I didn't think he came away being. A, I I thought he put in a good performance on Monday, and so for him mm. to be dropped, I thought would have been harsh. So I was like, he must have had a knock. I saw him on the bench, and I thought it, it's odd that he ain't playing. But you know, perhaps you know, sometimes they put the players on the bench even if they've not had a full week of training, just in case. Um. And the same with when she saw Charlie Adam, I'm like, surely, surely some like Jeff Cameron is like dead or something. Like something must because I could not rationale why he thought putting them. I I, I just didn't get the lineup. Was there a reason? I've not seen. Well, he said in his post uh, match interview that uh, a few players were tired from Monday night. They were. They didn't have a lot of the ball for Friday night. They were doing a lot of chasing around Man City players. And so he decided to rest uh, some of them. Which, I'm sorry, I'm not buying for a bloody minute. It's for, it's like... Not only... Not, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, not like were, it's not like they were playing two days late. Like, yeah. I, I know that, I know that you know, everyone can easily slag off rest and recovery. And I'm sure professionals, uh, physios and stuff, know better than me. But... I mean, it's not like this is a championship fixture where we've played on a Tuesday night, then expected to play on a Saturday. Like, we played on a Monday, and then no doubt they'll have had the rest, and then trained to play on the Saturday. Like, I, oh, yeah. I can't... Yeah, yeah, that's that's one part of it. But the other part of it is, Paul Lambert is supposed to know the fitness levels of this squad. And he knows that when we play Man City, we are going to be chasing around. Did he expect that we'd dominate possession against them and and be able to play a leisurely style of football? Because he must have known that we'd be running around a lot against Man City and fatigue would set in. Mm -hmm. Which begs the question, why have you put your players in for that game? (laughs) Your your, your players who tire easily for that game against Man City, which we're always going to lose... And then, like, oh, turns out a lot of them are knackered because Man City passed the ball around us. Who who saw that come in? <laughs> oh, well, we'll just rest them for Everton, which we absolutely have to win. It's, it's 
ridiculous. So what? So so that was literally the only explanation we had. A few players who were tired. Yeah, th- that's that's the reason given for the five changes that I've heard. Is so, the okay? Is the fatigue I've seen, from Monday I've night. seen the reason why because Eric Peters was set to start. I've seen that reason. That's fun. Uh, why? Why? I mean, not to say that Staffelidis shouldn't play. I I thought he. I mean, he could have been better for some of their goals. He should have closed Everton down more. But I, I don't think he is... It's not as drastic as putting Charlie fucking Adam in the team. So, but fucking, the Eric Peter story, I don't know if we'll go on to talk about that maybe in a bit, but... Mm. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we start the game. Uh, and... Let's be honest, Chris. Everton were toilet. Mm-hmm. They're a really rank bad side, and I've said this a lot. I've said this a lot over the course of the season. Like mm-hmm. we've we've gotten crap results, and I've just come away thinking that team we got a crap result from against. They were crap too. You know, it's it's a really toilet league this season. But I honestly thought up until the red card, we were on the front foot. We were the better side, and. If we had all 11 on the pitch, I think we would have won that game. Now, it doesn't excuse some other performances that happened after the red card. It doesn't excuse Paul Lambert's tactics or whatever. But before that red card, I thought yep. we were definitely going to win. Yes. yeah. Maybe that's all well and good with hindsight, but there you go. And then the prize fucking dickhead <laughs> who... I said last week should never play for us again. Adds adds to almost now you, you can you can go over the top with Charlie Adam, but as as Charlie Adam likes to do, but you can look at his last fifty five minutes, I think someone on Twitter pointed this out. In his last fifty five minutes, he's almost taken us down single handedly. <laughs> You you miss a pen. You fail to follow up a fucking penalty with the goal gaping. You do whatever it was in that 16 minutes against Leicester, almost managing to torpedo another uh, point for us. And then you do that in the biggest game in our recent history. You should never be allowed back in the club. They should, ch- you know, change the key, take his key away from him or whatever it is. Just get just mm-hmm. ban him from Stoke-on-Trent. I'm sorry, I'm just absolutely disgusted and it's not like oh he's made one mistake or just or been unlucky a couple of times it's for two years he's been shite he's been a terrible terrible waste of a kick he's been an absolute liability and not only that i'll read you this email now from dom smith um dom smith is a friend of the pod and he's emailed him as you know, I don't normally email my thoughts and, and I stick to ranting on Twitter, but yesterday has pretty much confirmed a relegation and I wanted to articulate my points here more coherently. My biggest issue is we seem to become a club for the boys where complacency has settled in and we're now going to become a championship club as a result. Yesterday, Charlie Adam and Peter Crouch started a must-win game. They have a combined age of 69. Nice. Neither player has done anything of note for two seasons at Stoke. Crouch has scored a handful of goals, but it's been 18 games since he last netted for us, and I can't remember Charlie Adam having a good game since the 14-15 season. Yet both players have been given contracts in the last year. Stephen Ireland was also rewarded with a new contract. Why? We then signed Fletcher from a club who were going down with us on a free. 
Would we have signed a foreigner who was that age, or is it because Fletcher is another name who's operated in the same footballing circles for the last 15 years? Imagine if Bojan had gone 18 games without scoring. Imagine if Mbula had got sent off yesterday. Adam is consistently on Five Live pursuing his media career. So far this season, he's publicly stated he told Fabian Delph not to sign for Stoke and Hughes had fallen out of love with his job and the player should take the blame too. Imagine if Shakiri had said that on his Instagram, yet we just can't seem to accept that he openly talked down the club to a transfer target. Also begs the question why we didn't sack Hughes if a player is stating it was obvious there was no enthusiasm there anymore. Is it because Hughes is another one in the footballing circle and the club were more worried about their reputation with media and being seen as a properly run club, whatever that means. Our squad is an ageing disgrace. I could go on, but I won't. And I'm pretty sure you'll already discuss this topic, but it needs drilling home because it seems to be a massive point which no one is picking up on. That's a great email, Don. Uh, thank you. Um, fantastic email. Cannot disagree with any word that he said there. Mm. Yeah, it, it is this old boys mentality which is is really just festered and it's festered not it's not just at stoke where this has happened it's it's the same thing that a lot of clubs down the bottom are now doing where they're picking the same crap managers over and over again because they're seen as a safe pair of hands even though they're not they're, they're picking old reliable heads who in the case of stoke um can't take penalties and get red cards can't score goals or in the case of West Brom like go out nicking taxis in Barcelona or whatever it is you know these these old reliable good old-fashioned English players are being crap as well um doesn't excuse some of the uh the the foreign lads have been crap as well it's pretty universal but I think there is a, a sense that some of these older heads have been cut more slack because they're they're seen as being reliable yep um, so yeah, uh, Everton score. I think Butland is at fault. I think Butland's really let himself down yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's by no means the biggest problem at the club, but uh, I thought Pickford was also bad yesterday to the point where I'm thinking Nicky Pope is now England number one. Um, uh, yeah, and then we're up against it with 10 men and Crouch is isolated all to hell. We can't create anything. I thought Shakiri had a poor game. Ramadan was just really... It was his big occasion yesterday and he didn't play very well at all for me. And I think, like I said earlier, Joe Allen and Badu and Dai, for me, were the only ones who come out of it with any real credit because they had to make up for uh, for Haggis McBatface's lack of presence there because they had to do twice the amount of running they'd have to do. Um, at the back, mess again. Going back to the team selection, is Bruno Martins Indy that unfit? Did he have to do that much chasing around on Monday? He's our best defender. Play him, for God's sake. I'm, I'm absolutely. It's just the more you think about it, the more you think you, about every, every kind of decision, the, I, the more sick you get. In, in, on reflection, I think that it's painfully obvious that Paul Lambert went into yesterday's game, saw it as a must-win game, and thought we need our veteran players. What he mm. described, what he would probably describe as our big players in this match to win it for us. We need Ryan Shawcross at the back. Glenn Johnson, you have experience. Charlie Adam, reliable. Peter Crouch, veteran of the game. We need these guys. And I think what what Dom said about the old boys mentality rings true. There is a cult of 
these players can do no wrong. This is their 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 passion and grafters and their and and essentially they're British players who, like British managers down the bottom, will be immune to some forms of criticism on the basis that they're not from a different country. That's how it feels anyway. And maybe that's maybe that's me being harsh. That is definitely how it feels. And I'm I'm sorry, but our veteran players are grafters who as they are deemed because they are British. Let us down yesterday. That's not to say other players didn't. Uh, Joe Allen is the exception there. Joe Allen is British and I as I think you've said I, Joe Allen did nothing wrong for me yesterday. He more than competently made up the fact that he was covering two positions. Like he, he him and and I, I thought, I, I, I'm still, I don't know how what to think about Ndai. I like him, I really do, and I've seen a lot of criticism leveled at him. I just kind of feel like it is a shit situation he's found himself been brought into. And mm. how he he's been expected to hit the ground running, and unfortunately, I'm not sure he has. That saying yesterday, I thought he he I don't think he was by far the worst. What um in terms of of Ramadan, I know you said it, maybe this is just my experience and expectation. Uh, I didn't think he had as bad a game as Chief Promoting's had. I thought that he was probably better on that side than Chief Promoting has been. Um. I think his issue is he's just he 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 isn't the quickest player. He doesn't he he struggles to go past people. But I thought he I don't know at least put in a a bit of effort. I just feel extremely let down from the playing staff up and up to the management. I thought that and and it's funny. It's actually funny as you say. I think with with eleven players on the pitch we would have stood a relatively good chance because I think the likes of Joe Allen could have dragged us out of that yesterday. But Charlie Adam, mm. Charlie, Charlie Adam, he angers me on a daily basis and his comments in the week on Five Live annoyed me. And yesterday, as soon as I saw him in the team, uh, I <laughs> someone was tweeting, uh, and I said that I think he he'll if he scores what is a winner then I'll I will sit quietly but I think he'll either f- fall over or get sent off and funnily enough he did both of those things so <laughs> yeah it's just, like, it was just doing fucking predictable that's the problem yeah like yeah, I, I, I I so many people like jokingly like well he's gonna get sent off isn't it and if if people jokingly see that happening that's that's a worry. Is it it? Why play Charlie Adam in that match? What was a... what was the aim there? Because if it was to be creative from from deep, well, I'm sorry, but I would have rather have had a defensive midfielder in there and allowed Joe Allen and Ndai to be athletic and run up and down the pitch and create mm. stuff from wherever. Like I I don't get what the idea was in bringing Charlie Adam on. And it's funny, because even now I'm seeing him... People... people, He's getting criticism, but not as much as I as I would be wanting to throw at him. There are, I've seen people like... 
defend him saying, oh, well, you need him. We we need a player like that who's going to stamp his authority on the game. Stamp his authority? He just stamps. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, I mean, you can... You, what? There is, there is an argument to suggest that it was a harsh red card. But It wasn't. I, but I'm for but, me. But I'm sorry. In in my head, I think the conditions played a part. But I think if Charlie Adam went in that tackle outside of a snowy day, I think he still gets sent off because I, I think it look even if it's you can slow it down all you want and say, oh look, it wasn't as bad. But in full in in fast motion, there, I thought he's getting sent off for that. That was reckless. And yeah, that was my I, that was my instant thought. Yeah, same, same. Why, why the hell in that area of the pitch are you given the referee the the opportunity to make that decision? It was reckless. Um, I saw the replay after, and I still thought it was a red. I appreciate uh, people have different opinions on you know what constitutes a red card and stuff. I thought it, he was uh, late and stood to showing, and he's only got himself to blame. We can't just get away with saying oh the referee might not have given that with another player or another team or whatever i'm sorry he's absolutely let us down there big style and um, and the, and the worst part is he did similar tackles similar awful tackles in the last game he played and you know fucking we know he can't he doesn't tackle learn. He, he doesn't, doesn't learn he doesn't learn and we know he can't tackle like when I can't think of an occasion where it's like you would want to trust Charlie Adam with winning a ball because more often than not, he wrestles people to the ground. It was an awful... I mean, it, it, the, the conditions were not a, a good thing anyway, but bloody hell. Like, it was, mm. as I say, it was reckless. And and then for, uh, and, and for our fans to boo Wayne Rooney as if he'd got Charlie Adam sent off, I'm sorry, but like, no, no. Just now, um, yeah. So, in a way, I don't think we played that badly given the circumstances. It wasn't like it was just utter garbage the whole oh, way yeah. through. Some some players did play garbage, but um, I thought we we held on to half time at nil nil, which was good and sensible. And um, but once once we conceded, it was like right, that's all, folks, kind of thing. But then we got a goal out of nowhere. Chupo came on for probably his best two minutes in a Stoke shirt score and then get immediately substituted. I mean, that's <laughs> what you want from Chupo Moting, really, isn't it? Um, but when we equalised, I thought, right, we can, we've can. we got a chance here. We've got a chance. We just need to just keep our heads, get another opportunity like that. Because opportunities weren't, you know, met a lot of them, but we were slowly getting to see more of the ball in their box. Um and then we just can't fucking defend. It's like Paul Lamp has made us stronger at the back, but he's made us stronger at the back by playing three central midfielders in front of a back four yeah. and not attacking at all. And I'm sorry, but that's basic. You can do that on Football Manager at beginner level. You know, you can just, <laughs> right, I'm going to make us hard to score against, so I'm just going to stick. Uh, seven players in defensive positions and just, you know, sod the rest of the team, sod, you know, creating chances in must-win games and stuff. (laughs) Let's just stick Peter Crouch isolated on his own, miles away from every other bastard on the pitch. Um, 
So yeah, we can't score goals, can't defend, so we're going down. And that's basically the, the summary of the season. Yeah. We're just crap the whole way through. Um, and we talked a lot in the last episode about the, the deep-lying problems at the club, from board level to Mark Hughes's tactics to Paul Lambert. And we've absolutely reaped what we've sown here because we could see this coming. I've listened to old episodes of this very podcast and I we could see it coming last season. We could see it coming right when we started. We, we've said that Mark Hughes is a poor tactician. We've said that continue when we went through that run of continually conceding four goals every single game, that that wasn't a blip. That wasn't an unfair Premier League. That was due to bad management. And the directors stuck by him way too long and then had the... I'm sorry, I love you, Peter Coates, but that that line, that what what's all the fuss about line, <laughs> is is just... That, it's, your, it's your epitaph. That's the definition of this season. If there is to yeah. be a title for this season, it's the what's all the fuss about season because those are haunting words now. Almost as haunting as that fucking video when we announced Hesse. Oh, God. Which is still up. They've not deleted it yet. <laughs> They've not <laughs> deleted it. <laughs> Ambition. And, it's, and Adrian um, Durham, can he is going to have a field day on the day we're relegated when he plays that, yeah. that back. It's like, oh, Stoke had a pop at us. Yeah, because he he's right. And Nautovic was right. There is a complete... Um, it, there is just a complete overriding feeling of complacency from yeah, from the board. Buried our heads head, heads in the sand from from like before last season, really. I think it was. Um, so yeah, Everton win, uh, and uh, Harry has been on Twitter and said, "Are we definitely, definitely down now?" I mean, it is only three. We we are only three points off the drop, but uh, I. And also, we've got uh, four games against big clubs that we never win anyway. And also the fact that whether we play Palace at home or Man United at home or West Brom at home or Everton or Huddersfield or Liverpool, I can't see us winning anything now. Mm-hmm. I can't see us beating the dog and duck if they if they were next on the fixture list. Because we just look so bereft of ideas and confidence and self-belief and professional fucking pride that we're not going to score any goals. We're not going to be able to defend properly. What what I also thought at half-time yesterday is who's who's dishing out the right-handers in that dressing room? Who's going to give Charlie Adam a clip round the ear for that piece of idiocy? Who's going to tell them to pull their fucking socks up? Joe Allen, again, I don't know what he's like personality-wise in the dressing room. But apart from him, I can't see any leaders in that team. Maybe that's Arsene Shawcross. I know he was back after a, a long time out. But I, I just don't see any kind of unity from the team. And that takes us on to Eric Peters. What does it say for Paul Lambert's you know, new discipline and banning mobile phones and making them all eat together and all the rest of it when a senior member of the side, not just some young, you know idiotic kid like Sido is breaking curfew I don't know what... <laughs> um, it says that the problems are deeper rooted it says that 
I think when people are saying we need a clear out in the summer, I think I think we do, and I think with it, I maybe this is getting ahead of myself, but for the people who are suggesting that it'll be fine, we'll we'll be in a we'll be in a fight to come back up next season, I think that's a absolutely deluded point of view at this point in time because I think you underappreciate the turnover that we're going to have to do this summer, and I genuinely as much as i really like the guy and i think he you know he's a he's a lovely positive guy i don't think this team goes back up with paul lambert i think that i think that it's all been well and good all these at least the saying about discipline and yeah banning mobile phones and stuff but what effect has it really? What effect has it had when Eric Peters? Um, and it could be a one-off. Eric Peters been breaking the curfew. Um, I certainly can't think of any other real occasions where Eric Peters has been too much of a disciplinary issue at Stoke. But it it, it says that he's come in, and I don't know if the players they're just they're just saying things at face value, aren't they? There there isn't a new sense of belief. There isn't. Um, he, I don't know. It doesn't feel like Paul Lambert is the guy to no. bring us back up, and that is, and and I feel absolutely cheap and stuff in saying that because we we, I want I want to support him. I want to support the manager. I do. I don't want to just be so flippant and be like, oh, Mark Hughes out two weeks later. Paul, oh, Paul Lambert out. But I, I'm. I want things to improve, and I haven't seen it, and I just don't think that... I, I, ag- I agree with what people say. I think we need to have a turnover of players. I don't think that that means we're going to be challenging for anything next year. I, I Genuinely, I fear for the next couple of years for this club, mm. because you have to make a run for... I, I am accepting that we're down. I don't think that we will win any i can't see any wins coming i think we've got the next few games are against big teams i think we get beaten them go them games our heads are down and we are gone i think then we go into the championship and shakiri leaves joe allen leaves jack butland leaves we bring in new players other players fringe players leave because they're old and some stay and it will be ridiculous and i think that the the danger that we find ourselves in is that it takes a while to get going in the championship, even with the parachute payments. I think it will do. It, it will take, take a while. It will, and it, I, and I don't see us coming back up next season. I don't even see us making the playoffs. I also, the the if they honour Paul Lambert's contract, which they will do, I imagine, because they're honourable people, and mm. they and they want to properly put, run club. Properly, bloody, 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 exactly. And this is not. This is not a. There is not the same venom that I felt towards Mark Hughes, towards Paul Lambert. I just don't think he's a good enough quality. Mm. I think they stay with Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert doesn't bring us up. I think if they honour his contract, that's, what, two and a half years. It's He stays and, and you need to get out of the championship before the parachute payments run out. Because if they run out, we have to... That That's essentially an opportunity gone. Yeah. yeah. Paul Lambert doesn't strike me and I don't know too much about his career to make a full judgment on this, but he doesn't strike me as a rebuilding specialist. He doesn't strike me as a person capable of ripping everything up and starting all over again. Uh because I think he's 
I think he genuinely thinks that we can stay up still, which is great. And, you know, full credit to the guy for that. But I just don't think he has fully appreciated... I don't think when he joined, he fully appreciated the size of the job he'd need to do. And that's why I think he was perhaps overcautious in the transfer market. He didn't... Not only did he not sign enough, but he didn't sign in the right positions. He didn't bring back... But- you know, guys who would have improved us, and I think that but, was also that's also partly due to the board as well. Well, that was what I was going to say. I don't, I don't think that that was Paul Lambert. I don't think that. I think that obviously he's had a say in it, and I think he's given the green light to players like Andai. But I think mm. the 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 transfer committee, or however you want to term term them, have all the control in that situation because they'll. I mean, we signed. Obviously, Bauer came through before we had a manager that's fine i like bauer but i don't think paul lambert is the person saying i want this player get me him mm. and i don't even think he's a player uh, the man who says oh yeah i will i will have the final say on that player i think yeah. he's maybe consult been consulted but the the it is i don't yeah. know it, it, it it's the recruitment has been poor in, yeah, in the championship, you need someone who, uh, you need, this is where your British manager thing perhaps holds a bit more water. You need canny operators. You need people who uh, do have that say in transfers, who know exactly the size of the job in front of them and, in, and know exactly what is needed in order to uh, overcome that. You think about guys like Tony Pulis, think about guys like Neil Warnock, who you might see as dinosaurs, but they know what is required in that level. And it's not just limited to British managers, but guys like Gary Monk, for example, you you can see guiding a fallen big club back up the championship. I can't see Paul Lambert doing that because I think he... And also you've got to take into fact, when a manager goes down with the team, it's very hard for them to shake off mm-hmm. that kind of, that stink of failure, if you like. And that kind of permeates through the whole club as well. The, yeah, the the exceptions to those type of things are having a manager like Rafa Benitez, who is, yeah. and I think this is the situation we find ourselves in. Rafa Benitez is a manager who is quite clearly so exceptional that he can operate in a shit board and in in a shit situation and still get amazing stuff out of players. Um, mm. And that, I feel, is kind of what we need. We need a, an exceptional manager to deal with what is an exceptionally bad situation. I think Paul Lambert, given... Uh, no, actually, I was going to say, I think given a good structure around him, probably had a, has a fair chance, but I'm not even sure then. And again, it's, it's nothing against him. He's, he genuinely seems lovely, and I cannot fault his his desire to, want, uh, to, to do a good job. But, my God... I, I, there are so many things I'm questioning. I'm questioning the length of the deal that we gave him. Southampton gave Mark Hughes six months, uh, mm. like till the no, not even till the end of the season. Like, if Paul Lambert was so desperate for a job and really wanted to prove himself in the Premier League, then why we? And I know it was. I, I know we gave him a longer term deal because we wanted to show a bit of faith in him. But I'm sorry, yeah. I don't. I don't know what you can do. I don't, but I also don't see the board getting rid of him. We go down. Yeah. I don't see them sacking him. Mm. 
Uh, let's just have a, a few comments from uh, our Facebook page. Uh, Mark Eltringham, yesterday the blame was with the manager. Team selection was a 22-word suicide note. In the pub before the game, everybody predicted the outcome, including Adam getting sent off. Mm-hmm. Ben Jones, two people to blame in my opinion for yesterday, Charlie Adam and Paul Lambert. Adam has been such a liability for us, costing us points, and Paul Lambert for his team selection. Why Johnson, who hasn't been near the squad for two months, gets picked ahead of one of our best players recently in Bauer, I don't know, picking Adam, playing Crouch up front on his own. It's sad to say that we are down fighting between fans by me in the booth as well, didn't help matters. Jesus, I didn't see that. Oh, no. Paul Lambert, sorry to say this, but we won't win. We won't go back up. We're not a yo-yo club. We'll sink without Trace, Aces, Nineties, all over again. Playing Vailed Crew. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's cheery, isn't it? Uh, Christopher <laughs> Tolbert, Hugh sent us down around Christmas time. He got rid of most of the flair players and talismans like John Walters. Now this is interesting, Chris. Um, you, I think we talked earlier about kind of the the so-called grafters in the side and how. They were just liabilities like Johnson, Adam and Crouch. But at the same time, is there not a sense that we miss Johnny Walters? We miss Glenn Whelan. I think, I don't, I'm not sure that we miss Whelan, but a, a John Walters type player in the side would would have been nice, really, wouldn't it? Considering, you know, the performances of Chupo Moting, Ramadan Hesse, etc. I think the difference with a player like John Walters, is that I think it's very, very apparent when he played for us what the club meant to him. And the same you could say for Glenn Whelan, although, as we said on last week's pod, I don't think that Glenn Whelan... I don't think he would have made a bigger difference this year. I think we replaced him with the wrong player in Darren Fletcher, but I don't think Glenn Whelan... I don't think having him in the team would be the difference in the position we're in now. Um, I mean, the same really goes for John Walters. I do think John Walters is... Um, he 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 wouldn't have been a he, he wouldn't have played regularly, but I think it would have at least given us the illusion of caring because I think that was the one thing that you could always, no matter about sometimes his ability. I think John Walters would always. It, it wasn't even so much about graft as such. It was um, because I mean that gives you these illusions of you know hard tackling and running, running constantly. I think that. John Walters I don't know like it's very very difficult to say I think that the, 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 purely the difference is it meant something to John Walters whereas I can't say the same thing for Charlie Adam Charlie Adam's been with us for many years I don't think that he has the same love for the club that maybe the likes of John Walters has and maybe that's purely down to perceptions of determination on the on the pitch um, I don't think having John Walters in the team at the moment or in that first 11 would make a difference results wise but I do think that having a player like that in the dressing room would maybe have made would have made a difference mm. uh, question from Lee Hawthorne this is quite an interesting topic and I'm uh, interested to know kind of your thoughts on it uh, social media has brought out the worst in some players and supporters adding rust to the razor blade that threatens the club discuss um, on kind of, I think this is a a very interesting kind of discussion to have, really, because you've there's a few strands to it. The one is how the players use social media. The one is how the fans use social media, and how kind of players and fans interact with each other. And is it a good thing overall, or is it something the team 
should not bother with. Um, what I would say to this is, yesterday, after the game, I thought, if any one of these bastards comes out and tries to do a Instagrammed bloody apology, I'm not having it. I'm, I'm not taking wh- whoever it is saying, oh, lads are really disappointed today, really sorry, couldn't win, you know, on to the next one, blah, blah, blah. Because it, it, it just seems so trite now. It seems like that's what footballers do when they lose a game. And I, I saw like, um, I thought like a few Liverpool players do it when they lost to Man United the other week. I was like, you, you lost a football match. You didn't, you didn't commit a great crime. Really, so what? Don't need. There's no need for these public apologies, um, and I don't think I haven't seen any players do that. So perhaps I scare them off. Uh, and there's also the question of how fans use social media and uh, whether that contributes to a healthy discussion or not. Uh, um, get, what do you think, Chris? Uh I, I actually, I, I followed up, I saw this question on Twitter and I did actually reply to Lee about it because I think that I, I think it's very, very easy to blame social media for ills in in things and to be like, well, it wouldn't have been like this 10, 15 years ago because, you know, people didn't... I think it's very easy to go down a rabbit warren of people... That, oh, it's so easy to sit on a computer and type insults at players. I do think, however, there is a point to the fact that conversations that perhaps... This is from a fan point of view. uh, Conversations that perhaps would have been kept in a private setting amongst friends. It's then very easy for someone to fire off on Twitter. At Jack Butland, I thought you were a disgrace yesterday. At Charlie Adam, get out of our club. Not going to say that that one's a bad one. (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's very, very easy for then things to, to escalate. And it's it's very easy for, in, in a heat of a moment, for fans to argue against each other. Whether that then has an effect at results on the pitch, I, I'm not convinced. I think the, the bigger thing for me is what you suggested is, is players uh, on social media. And what I, I, there is no doubt that I think the, the Twitter and Instagram, it's brought fans closer to the players but i think it's also in it's it's one of those it's made us closer but also feel worlds and worlds apart because it's very rare that you get players who use their own social media and don't have some agent do it for them as you say these contrived apology things they're not by the player how many times have we seen oh someone simply copy and paste Say something like, like <laughs> it's it's an agent putting things out. And so it doesn't feel genuine. And it feels more that it's a case of, this is my social media account. This is my brand. I need to portray this image from a brand point of view. And so there is something very, very not genuine about about that. And I think it's very easy to therefore lamp out and say, these guys don't care. And maybe they don't. Maybe they don't care. I don't... Why is he in a Batman hat, Chris? That, I think that's what we're getting at. Hesse. Why is he in a bloody Batman hat? Because he, doesn't, because he, because he, doesn't, he doesn't care. And like, and, and, it, and it's funny, though, that like you, you think about it in... it. I, I thought it was a very poor... T- we're talking about the Hesse 
people who aren't seen, Hesse, our star Spanish striker, not long after the the game in the evening, posted a picture of him just stood in the snow with a Batman hat on. That on its own, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because I don't believe that if he'd put out a, um, a picture or whatever saying, wasn't good enough from us today, but we need to work better, I don't think that would have been genuine. He posts a selfie of him in a Batman hat, and I'm, I, I am fuming. Why am I fuming about a bloke on his personal account putting a picture of himself just in, outside in the snow? Why has that made me angry? Why has a footballer just doing something after work made me angry? Why? Because I don't expect... I wouldn't believe if he'd posted a video saying, oh, I'm really sorry about the result. I wouldn't have believed it. So why then am I angry at a guy posting a picture in a Batman hat? It's a weird thing. And I think it's just because there are so many frustrations and it's so easily accessible on social media. I think that all these different, it, it becomes a bit of a hotbed of of quite yeah. angry stuff. And there is no doubt a lot of positives to social media. But I think that yeah. when it comes to players, I, I've never been closer to the footballers and never felt more alien to them. That, well, that's, yeah, that's a very, very good way of putting it. Um, yeah, if SA scored the winner yesterday and then posted a picture of himself in the back, we'd be like, yeah, yeah, nice hat, SA. Thanks for the goal, mate. Um, yeah, I think... Yeah, I'm, I, I try not to interact with players' individual Twitter accounts and stuff, uh, apart from to call SA worse than Ben Affleck. Um, <laughs> because... A, I don't, I, there's the sense that, yes, whilst you can interact with players, um, the only time you get through to them, really, is if you say something truly horrible, and that's not what you want to do just as a person. You don't want to get their attention by saying something revolting. Um, but on the kind of question of the fans' use of social media, has it been good? Has it, has it kind of given more edge to... Uh, a difficult situation. Um, I would say that Stoke fans who I speak to on Twitter, like 95% are just really sound people who are great to talk to, really funny. Like, yes, last, um, sorry, yesterday evening, I just, so many things making me laugh on Twitter (laughs) that just, you just needed that. It's just that kind of cathartic release because, Whilst there was naturally a lot of tweets in anger and disappointment and a, a few people uh, having to go at each other, I thought on the whole it was just like a really kind of a really stoky thing of like the gallows humour kind of stuff that that has happened in the terraces as well. Like when I went to Spurs, the gallows humour in the terraces were fantastic and I'm all for that. Um, I also think that... Uh, the the damaging thing from a fan's perspective isn't, you know, being being too negative on Twitter. I don't think that's what Lee was saying, but I, I think like people can see a few Twitter comments and get a narrative from that that mm. oh, Stoke fans have, really have it in for their own team. Stoke fans are really negative and want us to lose. Whereas it's the echo chamber effect, really, isn't it? You. You, you follow a handful of Stoke fans, you get 
a, a small impression of what it's like because that the Stoke fans you see on Twitter are in no way, you know, a broad reflection of what you see on the ground, at the ground. Um, and I think what is more concerning is the atmosphere in the ground. Players can switch off their phones. Players can not be on Twitter. But when um, a player makes a mistake and there's a huge groan, or when a player decides to play it backwards rather than forward and they're given pelters for it, that, I think, is more damaging. And sometimes that kind of reaction to them is completely but, deserved. Yeah, and I, but I think a half of that is down to perspective of how to play because I, genu- I think, and this isn't uh, <laughs> to, to slag off football fans, but I think that we are such a simple breed that if a player makes a mistake but then runs um, like really fast and tries to win the ball back and puts the effort in, um, you get people cheering it. I think there is often that thing where they, they often say it about Newcastle. You hear Alan Shearer say it. The fans up here, they don't care about your ability, but if you put in the effort, they'll, they will respect you. And it's mm. that I think it's that narrative. And I and you heard it on Monday night. Man City passing and passing and passing and passing around us. And there was an argument coming out, and granted, on social media, of people rightly frustrated that Man City can hold the possession. But the the response to it was, well, why didn't we just run at them? Why didn't we put a, put, put challenges in? And it's like, I, I don't think there's an appreciation to how difficult and how well Man City played when people, I, people will forgive anything if players show and I'll put it in, like, quote marks, passion, if players run. That is what people will forgive. And maybe that makes us simplistic, and maybe that is a um, that is British football in a nutshell, where we will so happily um, forgive mistakes and will forget, put aside, I don't know, sheer skill, as long as people and will show determination and passion. Um, and that, and that's what I think. I think what, you, what you're saying is it's it's a... At times, it's an awful atmosphere down the bet three six five, but I think that that is purely as well down to the fact that I think people perceive that players aren't aren't making an effort. Shakiri, he oh he doesn't track back. He does. The stats show he does. You see him track back. He does run back, but because I don't know because he's not doing it with the same guile that Jonathan Walters would have done. He's therefore not a passionate player. He's not putting the effort in and. It's I don't know. It's a, it's it's not a complicated subject, and this isn't to say that people are wrong in that in having that opinion. But I think that it's very very easy to oh they're not putting the effort in, boo, and that creates an awful atmosphere mm. when actually I don't know. Yeah, don't know so, 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 yeah. Some, so, sometimes uh, tactics have a greater influence over things than uh, passion does because like. You can you can say well Joe Allen runs around a lot more than everyone else, but Joe Allen is in a position where his job is to run around a lot That's more it. than everyone else, and that can kind of create a false, imp- Man, false impression. Man City and, did not win because they were more passionate. Everton did not win because they were more passionate. Yeah, and I agree with that. But I also think there are some players in that team who uh, look look like they don't give a shit, and I would. It, and it is it is hard to judge from from like body language and there's like there's players like Ramadan who I think really does care he really does try but he just had a really poor game. <laughs> but there's also players like Chupo Moting recently who I thought 
well, he's not trying at all. I just don't get what, what he's there for. And I don't want to start like creating lists of like, right, you're fine, you care. You're fine, you don't care. Because there might be players who kind of float between the two sections depending on how well they play. No, let's do that now, Dave. Let's divide them into who cares right. and who Yeah, does. okay, let's go. <laughs> Butland uh, cares but crap. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Th- this is the thing. It's either cares but crap, uh, doesn't care but sh- but uh, really good, or <laughs> or crap and doesn't care, which is like the your Chupo Motings and your Charlie Adams. <laughs> And I, I, and I think it's very, very easy for us to look at players like Hesse and say that he's on loan, he's the mercenary, he doesn't care. And I think there's he is there, there are there are yes, there is definitely elements. Um, it rings it rings a hell of a lot true. Hesse does not give a shit about Stoke City. Hesse should have gone to Las Palmas in January. Hesse also though has so much more going on in his life in terms of his family and his and his reggaeton career he does not give a shit about football he doesn't give he doesn't care like he genuinely doesn't but i think it would be false to say players like shakiri don't care he shakiri cares a hell of a lot like yeah cares almost too much if anything he, he kind of bollocks you, and die yesterday for did you see his reaction genuinely did you see his reaction to the charlie adam sending off because oh God, yeah. there was he a bit where I, when I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, fuck, he's arguing with... The ref's going to give him a card here. It's going to kick off. Shakiri's kicking off. Um, oh, I just... I think I think because we, because we as fans care so much, you want to see that from the players. And it's very easy to look at them and be like, well, they don't give a shit. And maybe they don't. And definitely Hesse and other players don't give a shit. But... I don't know. I think, and that is, to bring it back, that's the problem with social media. It's easy to then, when when it dominates yeah. all our lives, you forget that for some it is a job. It's just a yeah. job. I don't and... get really angry about the Royal Mail in my own life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it's the thing also of the way Twitter works is your most controversial thing, your most your hottest take is what gets retweeted a lot and discussed yeah. more than your your sensible kind of measured opinion. And, you know, that that's the way Twitter works and and that's also the way like it's it's not just a social media thing. I think, you know, when the predominant source of discussion was the Oatcake Forum mm-hmm. Like that, I remember Pulis saying something about the Oakcake Forum, like when we're in the championship and stuff. And mm-hmm. that kind of stuff can, yeah. Sometimes you wonder, oh, are the players reading the the message boards and things like that. Because, um, yeah, I think I'm allowed to say, say this. Um, my cousins, uh, both played semi professionally, uh, and they were, fun fact, listeners, they were in the Chase Town team that beat Port Vale in the FA Cup back in 2007 or eight. Hey, um, and. They've like played for a lot of like uh, non-league clubs in the Midlands, and I went to see them play once. I think at Chase Town, and they went on the other team's forum after the game and stuff. So if if they're doing it, are our Premier League players like looking at? Oh, I wonder what what they're saying about my f- performance today and stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think like. Even if social media didn't exist, there would still be, I think, a real toxic kind kind of atmosphere, no matter 
where it came from and i think the the most damaging thing is that thing inside the ground of oh god you know i think so and so doesn't care therefore i'm going to boo them but player who does care is seeing like oh they're booing our every touch yeah, so yeah, yeah. i'm not going to run around as much or something like it's it's a vicious cycle really, it's that it? whole the Wayne Rooney at the in the England squad nice to hear your own fans boo you hey it's that all mm. over again isn't it it's it's not nice to hear as a player yeah. it would it will be frustrating i imagine and but again that's not to say that i don't think fans are aren't perfectly justified at times yeah and we had those comments from Bruno Martinez in the week didn't we saying oh please please stay to the end which i'm sorry uh, I I left on 90 minutes on the dot. I was sat having a pint in stone. Whereas if I'd have stayed the four minutes of added time, I'd, I'd have still been on Stanley Matthews' way at that point. And it just just makes sense for a lot of people to go early. And if if they miss a goal, that's the, the risk they, they run. Um, tweet from Duck Magazine. Uh, and I'm seeing this a lot as well. And I'm, I wonder... What do you think about this? Relegation is dreadful, but it's part of football and part of being a club like ours. However, relegation holding a white flag for most of the season and playing one up front in a must-win games, I can't tolerate ever. Going down with a whimper, that's not Stoke. I mean, that's uh, that has this, what you we were just saying, isn't it? It's the, the perception that we're not even putting up a fight. And, I, and genuinely... Well, like I I I I agree. I agree with what what Duck's saying completely. But it's that, it, 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 yeah. If we, I think it would be easier to swallow relegation if we had. Right, it's difficult to say because I think if we'd have gone down in say the first few seasons we'd come up, but we'd made a go of it, that would be different. But I don't see how this squad, having come as far and finished in ninth places could have gone down with anything other than this t- utter collapse because it wouldn't have been through we've tried but we've just not had the players yeah like it was always going to be like if, if this team was going to get relegated yeah it was always going to be because of something unfortunately like this um he's completely right though this like football is football there is winners there are losers i will be there next season in the championship God, if we, no matter what what division we're in, I don't really, I'm not a fan of the Premier League. I'm a fan of Stoke. I don't give a shit who we play. If we're playing, um, uh, I don't know, if we're playing Sheffield United at home or Man United, it genuinely doesn't matter. I'm not there to see these big teams play. It was an added novelty when we went up and it has been fun. But there are, it, it's football regardless and there are issues with every division that <laughs> that you play in and I am not it isn't the be all and end all for me as a fan that we are out of the pre- that we will go out of the Premier League do not care but the fact that it isn't because it, it isn't through lack of skill that we are going down it's through lack of trying and complacency and lack of defensive training and all those things that have been so evident for the best part of two years. Yeah. It's that's the anger inducing thing about it. Like I said, I, 
and, and, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Dave. We were there before the Premier League. We'll be there after it. Stoke, um, for for the majority of my life, only just bear in mind, have played this football out of the Premier. Have been a non-Premier League side more than they've been a Premier League side. But I think the fact that we are going down in such a piss poor uh, style is. Mm. In a really we league as well. We did, really poor season. In a in a in a really poor season after having these accolades of Stoke's a tough place to go. Oh, yeah. they'll they'll give you a game after having that badge of honour, and we wore it with pride. We relished the the fact that teams hated coming to Stoke for us to now be just a bit yeah. shit and a bit. What meh. What, what, what what a contrast from like the rough and ready bear pit. You know, no one wants to come here. You'll be chased out of town. You know, you, you're in a game now, sunshine kind of attitude that we used to have. To just the just the whimpering shower yep. of a of a squad now. And you're right, Chris. There, there wasn't going to be a case where oh we we grafted and battled but just quite didn't get there because we've been in the Premier League 10 seasons mm-hmm. we've had a, a wealth of talent through the doors at Stoke City some of whom we've not treated very well some of whom we've had to sell on some of whom are snake boys but <laughs> I just the it, it would it would have it would have to be something like this it would have to be this dropping like a stone collapse but it's not we've just fallen off the edge of a cliff it's like We've seen the edge of the cliff coming. We've seen it coming. We've seen it coming, and um, and we've just been like, well, let's keep walking. Let's keep walking. See if this uh, cliff magically goes away now. And <laughs> oh no, we've fallen. And uh, did you ever do like uh, history projects on like the causes of the First World War? Yes. Where they make you draw like a bonfire yep. and like oh, deep line causes all oh, arms race and uh, the empire, and then uh, assassination of. Uh, Franz Ferdinand yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, the, is the spark. It's it's like that. It's like deep line causes. Uh, directors can't see inherent problems in Mark Hughes's tactics. Um, there's like poor transfer policy, and there's a uh, there's no defensive training. All these stuff piling up, and then like yesterday was the for me anyway. Yesterday was the <laughs> was the spark. It, yeah, yes, and. And I think that the the frustration for me as a fan is that unless there are big changes, and that is not just at a team level and a management level, but at a a board level, I don't see a situation where we... I want to enjoy football again, and I'd love it if we went down and stuff. Like, if we went down and it was the spark we needed and we rebuilt and we came, you know, we started winning games. I'd love it because again, I don't care who we're playing as long as we, we have a good time and we're enjoying it. But I don't see that happening. I don't see a a situation where this club gets better. And I don't think simply replacing Paul Lambert does the job unless you replace him with someone absolutely exceptional, a la Rafa Benitez. Mm -hmm. Because a load of people have said, oh, get rid of Lambert bringing Graham Potter and as much as I love the idea of Graham Potter I think Graham Potter needs from what the job that he's done at um, Osterland or if that's how you pronounce it he you know it's been an exceptional club from the board down and Mm. that is not the same that would not be the same thing he'd step into at Stoke 
And again, I don't want to slag off Peter Coates because, as you said earlier, I love the guy and I think what he's done is incredible. And I think I always feel really uneasy when people come and say, well, Leppard never changes his spots. How many times have we been relegated under him? He just doesn't put the money in because he does put the money in. And like I think, granted, it's there are... Kevin Vimmer. Exactly. I've forgotten about Kevin Vimmer. We've talked for an hour and I've forgotten that we'd spent £18 million, our joint highest fee or whatever, on a guy who can't make the bench. God, we're crap. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's... There are so there are so many spokes and branches to this tree of sad that uh, <laughs> the they, sad. <laughs> is that just... a Terrence Malick film? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Um, I mean, I can make you even sadder if you like. Yeah, Sa- go on. Sido's with us for another few years, isn't he? Oh Christ! <laughs> this is at, the, least he, the... at, least he, at least he ran around a bit yesterday. <laughs> Yeah, he did a, there was a genuine moment where I thought, fuck, this is, the narrative is incredible. In that moment after Chupo had come on, scored, gone off injured, I'm like, the the the, the narrative of football is all set up for a Sado winner here. And then yeah. it didn't, and I realised that, oh yeah, football doesn't work like wrestling. It isn't how, <laughs> you know, it isn't just a, I think I'd enjoy football a lot more if I could suspend my disbelief, but it was all predetermined like wrestling. <laughs> I think I'd enjoy it a hell of a lot more. Mm. There's a slow mo video of Sam Allardyce tasting his own snot going around. <laughs> I mean, like, and oh, fucking hell, Everton weren't even good. And then, <laughs> was so like, I, fe- I feel, so- I genuinely feel sorry for Everton fans because they went mm. into the season spending all this money and all these dreams of we're going to attack. And now they're left with Sam Allardyce, who, like, who has tampered their expectation and be like, oh, what do you expect? They need a full new team. You spent like nearly 200 million on players. They don't need a new team. They need a How slow is their back line as well? And they were still beating us to every ball. Well, that's because we were trying to feed three balls to Peter Crouch, Dave. Um, yeah, that's true. Like, I genuinely, like, Everton were... Oh, they weren't good. And Sam Allardyce, he is... He he frustrates me as a manager because he famously once said, you know, oh, you give me the Real Madrid team and I and I will easily easily win La Liga. Well, we've give you've got a team there that is competent and has a lot of talented players, and I don't think you, he's done an amazing job with them. Um, anyway, that's my rant about Sam Allardyce and, and his pints <laughs> uh, of wine. Pints of wine, your old pinty Sam. Bet bet he had a bloody big pint of wine last night after. That and that win. Um, Rocky, question for Rocky. It was the largest premiership home gate yesterday and the home support has grown massively since we came into the league. If we go down, what do you think the home gate difference will be? And a question. the answer to that I don't, is I don't know, but um, this, is, this is the thing about going down now. This is the thing that I think will cause more arguments further down the line is... First of all, filling in that corner was that the right decision in the long run? Um, and second of all, like the gates will go down. That is just natural. Play people who perhaps aren't diehards won't want to go and see us play Shrewsbury or Wigan, whereas they will want to see us play Liverpool, Everton, Man U, whoever. So there is going to be a decline. Whether it's down to, I think. The championship attendances from memory fluctuate from about 12,000 when it was like the 0405 binary season yeah. to about 
18, 19, like if we were thinking of going up in the playoffs or something, you know, like something like that. So I think it will kind of, I think we'll probably return to kind of optimistically, I'm thinking 16, 17. I, I can see it doing that over a period of time if things don't um, improve. I do think that for all of our faults, I think the club has put a hell of a lot into its public image in the last 10 years in the local area. And that there is, I think when we, the difference 10 years ago when we came up was Stoke weren't a fashionable club and there was a lot of young kids who yeah. would prefer to support the big Uniteds and that in the area uh, further afield. I think over the 10 years we have managed to cultivate at least a generation of support and that, I don't think we're going to get the same numbers. We ain't going to get a record attendance like that again. Um, unless they do, you know, five or a ticket. That might be nice uh, for a game or so. Sheffield Wednesday do that. Um, you always sit here, because I work in Sheffield, you always hear that, come down tonight, it's a ten or a ticket, and they get big houses. Um, uh, but that was a real weird rant to go, a weird tangent to go off on, sorry. They, they get uh, big houses, did you say? They get big houses, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big attendances. They get big houses. Um <laughs> but I think I do think that I don't think you'll see a return to like I don't think opening day of the season next year against um, who should we play against on the opening day Ipswich I don't think you're going to see uh, a return to like 12,000 people there but I do think it will be it won't it won't be a sellout that's for sure um, the issue is if we don't see results you'll see it drop off and it will become like the stadium of light is at the moment, which is a very depressing place. And and that's the that's the fear. The fear is that you lose momentum in the ground, you lose it on the pitch, you lose it at board level and it's that's when it's a problem. Yeah. And that, I think, Mr Coates, is what the fuss is all about. Thank you for listening to the Wizards of Dribble podcast. Uh sorry that it couldn't be a happy episode today, but um and there was a lot to unpack there. There was a lot of real kind of tough issues around the club at the moment. And there's a lot of just raw emotion like from all quarters. And uh, But we did our best to try and sum up a lot of what we think is going on. Uh, if you agree, disagree, whatever, send us an email, um, give us a tweet, whatever, and we'll continue the conversation online but yeah that i don't want to keep talking for another hour anyway but um thank you so much for sticking with us uh i can't anticipate like we're on the home stretch we're in the nervous 90s now chris we're on the the run-up to episode 100 (laughs) (laughs) what a merry time that will be um but yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna still keep going until the end of the season we're gonna keep plugging away maybe we'll just uh sack off the remaining games of the season and just talk about happier happier times and stuff um yeah there's only so many times you can say we're shit uh Yeah, seriously, thank you so much. Uh, keep supporting the podcast. Retweet uh, the episode when it comes out. Uh, give us reviews on iTunes, all that jazz. It uh, really does mean a lot. And honestly, like this podcast is the thing I've enjoyed most about Stoke this season. Because, <laughs> uh, God, it'd be crap <laughs> without it. Um, thank you, Chris. Oh, no worries. And thank you, Dave, for, I don't know, 
keeping with it. <laughs> it's <laughs> been, it, it hasn't been an easy season, has it? But you know what? I, uh, I enjoy doing this podcast. No. So, yeah. Me and too. thank you to the winner of the of the uh, print. That's um, going out tomorrow. Yay. So, like, that's a massive... That's a really good thing. Yeah. I, I was amazed after the result that, oh, more people have bid on this. <laughs> that's a bit weird. I think <laughs> but, people were drunk, Chris. Maybe, maybe. But no, that's a, that's... That's a really good thing, and I'd, and I'd love to do more stuff like that in the future. So hopefully we'll be able to set some stuff up in the future. All right. Uh, football on five. Go on, Stoke. 